Coming up today on Woopod Suey. We break down a basketball win and realize this team may never lose again. We analyze the battle line rivalry presented by Shelter Insurance. Spoiler alert, we lost. We break down what's been a terrible season and wonder, are there any positives to this? And we take a deep dive into Twitter conspiracies and we get rowdy on Hogville. All that and much more today on this episode of Woo Pod Suey. Woo Pig. Welcome to another episode of Woo Pod Suey, the official podcast of Arkansas Fight. I am Tucker Partridge, along with my co-hosts with an S, Saul Malone and Adam Ford. Say hello, Saul Malone and Adam Ford. What's up? It's me, Saul Malone. Glad to be here. Uh, It's Adam. Good to be back. Thanks for having me, guys. We have so much to talk about, and a whole lot of it is football, and we are going to get started about that football conversation with a recap of basketball. That's right, folks. Pulled the old one-two switcheroo on you. Look out. Basketball is undefeated and may never lose again. Uh, Yeah, you heard it here first. We are going undefeated. (laughs) after a very tough win uh, against a couple of Norsemen from Kentucky. uh, That was a 66 to 60 final. The hogs are sitting pretty. And that win came uh, off of a great performance from some guys who we don't usually have to depend on. Mason Jones was out for the game. And while it was felt as there were some struggles for offense, and I felt like the guys really kind of stepped up and filled in. Jimmy Witt Jr. and Desi Sills both put in some great efforts. Adriel Bailey and a returning Reggie Chaney put in some defensive effort that will not show up on the box score, but ended up coming up big. Considering that it's not falling for Isaiah Joe right now, and of course Mason Jones battling an injury, I thought it was a pretty good win for Musselman's boys. I agree. Uh, I want to specifically shout out Jimmy Witt Jr.'s performance. I thought he really stepped up on both sides of the ball and was a lot of fun to watch and kind of stepped into that Mason Jones role of kind of leading the team and kind of fun to watch there. I thought that, yeah, it was good to pull that out. I mean, Northern Kentucky been to the NCAA tournament a couple times in recent years. I think they're, they were picked second, I think, in their conference. So, I mean, it's it's good to win when you've got your suppose your best player coming into the year is not playing well, and then your other best player didn't play at all. It's interesting to me that uh, Musselman is a let your shooters shoot kind of guy um, because, like I said, it's not falling for Isaiah Joe right now. And while he is, of course, one of the better shooters in the country, um, despite his struggles, it seems like Musselman's going to let him. Uh, let it rip. I think that's the right call. I, so I'm, I've got the stats pulled up. Arkansas is 38th out of 353 teams. Arkansas is 38th in two point percentage. So they're good in two point shots. A lot of that shot selection and they are 328th out of 353 in three point percentage, which is not really wow. not what we expected. Um, that is not good. What's um, that, what does that average out to? <laughs> uh, the, let me yeah. do, some quick, do some quick math. <laughs> well, so the, we can use, we can do effective field goal percentage, which is like, it's 
field goal percentage where three pointers are weighted 50% more because they're worth 50% more. And that is 162nd out of 353. So they're, they're perfectly average right there in the middle. So yeah, really good at two pointers, really bad at three pointers. I think you got to let them shoot because you're, you're going to have to hit threes in conference. And so telling them don't shoot, we'll find another way to score is kind of delaying the inevitable. You're going to have to hit three. So like Desi Sills is like one for 20 something this year. You just got to let him shoot. At some point you will say, all right, it's not falling, bud. Uh, someone should have done that with Jalen Harris last year. But I, with Joe, you, you've you've got to shoot threes because you're going. To get, there's there's some teams in the SEC that's got that have some trees, and you are not going to be able to go inside. And so you're going to have to get the jump shots going. So this is the time to try them. I do enjoy, despite the fact that we run kind of a pace and space game. Uh, it's kind of a throwback style i guess because defense obviously is the biggest key on this team right now and then we've got jimmy witt jr uh who's never met a two-point shot he didn't like it's truly daryl Morey's nightmare team um shout out houston rockets but sure uh i'll let you shout them out thank you um <laughs> really really cool to see a guy who left come back and have such an impact i mean uh, obviously, Mason Jones is a great player that we rely a lot on for facilitating offense as well as generating it. And Isaiah Joe's Isaiah Joe. But Jimmy Witt has come in and really kind of been that veteran presence that this team has needed, I guess. And I, what a blessing, I guess, for lack of a better word, to have him come in and have such success. Yeah, and I thought, again, uh, watching Adrio Bailey kind of put it together in this game was pretty good. Um, yeah, Mason Jones obviously missed, and like Adam said, we're just going to have to shoot our way out of this three slump, and eventually they're going to start falling. I mean, we can't be that bad all season, I, prayerfully. We need um, to progress to the mean. Yeah, again, we're going to we're gonna progress to the mean. I, we just we just have to. The shot, those, Some of those shots are eventually going to start falling, and I think that Adam's right. Just we got to shoot our way out of it. We're not going to find other ways to score. Uh, that aren't just two pointers and free throws. You're going to have to hit threes, and we're just going to shoot our way out of it. And I'm I'm into that. I think Muss has them rolling in the right direction. He does have them rolling in the right direction on the recruiting front. This week we had KK Robinson decide to stay home, and that put Arkansas at a number five class in the country. That is really exciting to me, um, mainly because all of these guys are from Arkansas and have decided to stay home, something that hasn't happened every single year in the past. If Musselman can follow through on that kind of promise that every single coach who gets hired here in whatever sport that we're going to put up a fence around the state and keep our guys home, if he can do that, uh, this state produces enough basketball talent to where we could be very competitive at a high level every year in and year out. Right. I agree. See, I was going to say, this is the year to get all the Arkansas guys. Cause right now it's looking like we may go into next year without any four stars from the state. And sometimes it does that. Uh, there's the kid from Magnolia could be, end up, be, could end up making a push for something higher, but it, it sometimes comes and goes. So it, you kind of have to take your shots. We've talked about how like, you know, Brett Bielema got that big recruiting class when he first arrived. And really, it was like Petrino when he got all those guys from Warren and everybody kind of came at once. And you really have to take advantage of that because you never really know. It's not always super consistent. So it's really promising to kind of get everybody we need right up front. 
It's nice that this class in particular seems to be balanced, at least where size and playing position goes, because essentially we're going to end up having almost an entirely new lineup with just these guys with the way the scholarships uh, have fallen. And that's also ignoring the possibility of Kyrie Walker out of Arizona, maybe committing. Uh, He decommitted from Arizona state a while ago. Haven't heard much about him. Uh, 24 seven sports has us as warm for him for what that's worth. Uh, But based on, retweets of his recently he retweeted kk robinson's decision to stay home so i don't know these things kind of seem to come in waves i i feel like when kids see other really good basketball players commit to a school it probably makes it easier to commit to that school so i don't know maybe maybe more on the way i i don't want to i'm not going to be a crystal ball guy but uh would be interesting to see us get a guaranteed uh, top five class in Musselman's first year. I mean, you can't hope for a, a much better start than what he's managed to put together in his first seven games in recruiting. And just, it seems just like a home run from your you know, as one of his two big hires when he first came on board. And that's, a, that's a sign I think of really good things to come. And it gives me a lot of hope for the football searching coach that we're currently going through and experiencing together. Glad that you bring up football because guess what? We played one of those games and it was the last of the season. I have, I of course am talking about the battle line rivalry presented by shelter insurance against Missouri. This was played in little rock and we lost. We did. Let's hear some stats. Saul. Hey, before we dive into stats, uh, can we just talk about Twitter today? Oh, incredible. Can we talk about what happened on Arkansas Twitter? Adam, you were there for all of it. This has been maybe the greatest day that I've ever seen in Arkansas sports Twitter history. I, the whole state came united, especially all the former players trolling the fans was just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I mean, every just one after another, just recently, just a few minutes ago, uh, Connor Nolan tweeted, uh, I uh, tweeted a, a picture, a shot from the Big Bang Theory of uh, Sheldon playing with little trains. So I wonder whose train he's on. Um, <laughs> pretty funny. I, I laughed at all of them. Yes, I saw a lot of fans kind of really upset about that. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, we had, I feel like the chief culprits were Dre Greenlaw and Kevin Richardson. Um talking about, I can't believe we got this guy, or I can't wait to see this guy come, when they know that every single person in the state of Arkansas is waiting on bated breath for any semblance (laughs) of any kind of news story. Uh, Just truly, truly one of the great days in Twitter history, and it's a shame that that's going to be locked down to a state of only 3 million people, because really the world should know what happened on Arkansas Twitter today. Yeah, I also want to shout out my personal favorite uh, tweet from one Joshua Rugger, where he just tweeted, just saw Lane Kiffin with what looks like to be Hunter Juracek at US Pizza on Dixon. Lane ordered a boss salad with ranch and has both shared some cheesy breadsticks. Large pepperoni pizza came later, and that's all he gave. (laughs) That was so funny. The fact that he was so specific about a a Dixon Street eatery that people frequent, and then the fact that the 
followed up by my favorite response I've ever seen. No spicy sticks. First mistake. He's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Just absolutely incredible knowledge, not only of the coaching search, but just Fayetteville culture. Well, I just enjoy that people realize how insane this whole time period is and how sources come out of the woodwork. I'm using sources with big quotation marks (laughs) around them. But it'll be like, my granddad works at Drakefield as the tire inspector, and uh, Kiffin's been the coach for five months already. (laughs) We hired him back in September, to be honest with you. And it's just, oh, God, it it truly is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Yes. We just want to acknowledge that it has been a very fun day on Twitter for us, especially in we thank you all for being mostly good sports about it. Uh, if you have a chance and want to see some people just going absolutely insane, uh, go over to Hogville and see what they're talking about. Uh, somebody has claimed that the board of trustees has blocked the Kiffin hire and that we should all write strongly worded emails to their and flood their email inboxes. So if you got the time. As we speak, I am going to FOIA those emails <laughs> and make sure that we get Kiffin uh taken away from this board of trustees. You can find me on Hogville as Big Daddy Hog 69. <laughs> so if you see anything from Big Daddy Hog 69, that is me. And I've got hashtag sources for days, baby. But yeah, <laughs> we uh, we did play the battle line rivalry presented by Shelter Insurance down in Little Rock on a Friday after Thanksgiving. And unfortunately, we could not pull out a win. Hogs close out the season with another 2-10 record, going 0-8 again in SEC play, bringing our un-unbeaten streak to 19 games, I believe it is now. 19 straight losses in the SEC uh, and just another 2-10 season. And as if you're a listener of this podcast, you know at the beginning of the season, we talked grimly about the reality of a three and nine season. Well, that was not the case. We are what a joyous time. Three and nine. We used to have hope for a three win team and that was out the door, but yeah, let's dive into some stats Uh, on offense. 242 total yards on the day passing game really struggled to get anything going in particular. Our guy, Jack Lindsay getting the start going 10 for 26 for 75 yards Two touchdowns uh, and four carries for 51 yards. Uh, At one point, Jack had two completions, both for touchdowns uh, and had no other completions. He had it was two for nine, I think, with two touchdowns. Uh, So pretty man is nothing if not efficient. nothing but efficiency from Jack Lindsay. Yeah. At one point, he also had 29 yards passing to 41 yards rushing. So not not begrudging him for that. He was moving the ball. But again, just a reflection of how. The passing game could get nothing going. Ben Hicks came in for some reason uh, with two minutes left in the game. Not really sure why. I guess they just wanted to get him some snaps or something. But he went one for five for two yards, uh, really contributing to the cause. On the ground, <laughs> Rakeem Boyd went for 21 carries for 95 yards. No touchdowns, unfortunately. Devwa Whaley adding four carries for 14 yards. Mike Woods led the team in receiving with two catches for 26 yards. Again, reflecting the passing attack woes that we seem to have during the game. Trey Knox had a catch for 19 yards and a touchdown. A very incredible, stupendous catch, I will heck say. Of a catch. Heck, of a, heck of a catch. <laughs> Should have counted for more. 
Should give him two catches just for how good it was. But unfortunately, the stats say one catch for 19 yards and a touchdown. And Grayson Gunter going two catches, 16 yards, and that other TD from Jack. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, we gave up 24 points and 329 yards, which means this is officially, Ooh. statistically, <laughs> Arkansas's worst defense ever put on a field. Uh, Big suey. <laughs> Razorbacks. It is hard to be humble, baby. Um, I will say, again, we mentioned this on the last podcast. This is not the least talented defense we've ever had. There have been worse defenses from a talent standpoint, but this was definitely the worst coach defense we've ever had. Uh, John Chavis wrecked whatever goodwill he had left, I think, in the coaching world. This is just awful. No preparation. Uh, and loved throwing his players under the bus, as we saw many times. Taking that 1.5 mil check straight to the bank. To the bank. Honestly, good for him. You know, get your money, guy. Gunnar <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bazelak started the game for the Tigers, going 7 for 9 for 80 yards before he was pulled because he was injured. I found out later that he actually tore his ACL. Uh, bummer for him. It looked like he was going to be the guy after Kelly Bryant, so... Want to see him get better soon. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, but that brought in Taylor Powell, freshman uh, from Fayetteville High School. Um, once again, Fayetteville kids coming to the rescue against Arkansas. just seems to happen. He went 8 for 14 for 105 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, Larry Roundtree, their running back, went 24 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Beatty, their backup running back, went 12 carries for 59 yards and a touchdown. Their leading receiver was Barrett Bannister, another Fayetteville High School graduate, going six catches for 60 yards, and Jonathan Nance, former hog, going three catches, 38 yards, and a touchdown. So a lot of Fayetteville connections on that Tiger team coming back to haunt the hogs at the battle line rivalry presented by Shelter Insurance. Always nice to see um, some former hogs and former Fayette villains uh, beat us. It just is the perfect little microcosm of our season in that not only were we bad, we beat ourselves. Yeah, I wonder, so Taylor Powell and Barrett Bannister, does that prove that Arkansas should have recruited them or does the fact that they weren't recruit worthy and still played well against Arkansas just prove that Arkansas's defense was terrible? I feel like it's, Schro- it's Schrodinger's recruit almost of like, <laughs> if you don't recruit them because they're bad, are they bad? But if, now they have inspiration to not be bad. And so when they play you, they're good. You know what I mean? If it, it feels a little bit like a vicious cycle, like maybe we should have given these guys a look, but maybe because we didn't give them a look, that was what made them good when we played them, you know? That had chip on well, their shoulder for sure. Yes. I think there was a lot that they wanted to prove, but then it also, I I don't know about you guys, but it brought to mind uh, some basketball performances that we've had in the past where it feels like uh, somebody comes in, they're like, Oh, he's a walk on guard who has never touched a basketball. And he's 25 for 25 uh, on 63 points against Arkansas. That's what it it felt like. One of those games uh, that has happened against basketball in the past. Um, but I, I honestly, I think it's more of a testament to just how washed, uh, the season was and that the defense kind of, uh, decided not to cover people. It felt like, uh, very appropriate that we were playing in war memorial because it, the defenses felt more like the secondaries of high school teams than two teams that are in the quote unquote greatest conference in college football. 
Yeah, I mean, again, both teams, not a lot to play for. Missouri, even though they're bowl eligible, isn't going to a bowl because of NCAA sanctions. The Hawks season was lost. We're on an interim coach. Barry Odom's future wasn't looking too bright. It just just felt like a game that, wait, let's just get this over with. That was kind of the attitude going into the game. Uh, If you'll listen to our most recent episode of the podcast, that's not this one. Uh, the Mizzou guys with Missouri's SB Nation site uh, felt the same way. They kind of just wanted this season to be done, this season to be over with. And I almost feel like the players were ready too. Um, there were a couple of missed tackles that I feel like got some ire thrown the way of specifically Joe Fouché and it came out today that apparently he's played this entire season with a torn shoulder. Yeah. Um, that's, that's Arkansas. Okay. All I got to say on that is then, then why was he out there? Because exactly. I, I don't <laughs> like, I, I watched him play and like, he wasn't close a lot of the time and I can understand because he threw out his, he threw and he tried to make a lot of arm tackles because he's, he's mostly diving at the running backs after taking a bad angle. And then like, I can understand how that would affect you and had make it pretty hard to make tackles. So why was he out there? There are other safeties. Yeah. And he suffered a lot of online sort of ire for his play this year. And like having it put in that context, just it makes sense that he played poorly. If your shoulder is literally torn from your body, like what? Yeah. What is he doing out there? We can't find another like where he's that disposable that like we're saying, hey, man, F your future. We'll see what happens. We'll just get out there and make a tackle. I hate to insult any player that is playing for these coaches. I mean, he's just, yeah. I, I just, I, 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 you never know. I, you, they, they'll, they'll be all Americans next year or the next coach. It is really interesting to me, I think, and I would love to hear you guys opinion on this, um, but going into this final two game stretch, I think there was a certain constituency that thought uh, Barry Lunny could win the job. But I'm just not sure now uh, that maybe he didn't have issues of his own because there were some very puzzling coaching decisions in this game alone. And I know that you can't take these things in a vacuum, um, but the decision to have Fouché out there, the decision to put Ben Hicks in there that late, I, I mean, I, I part of me wondered, okay, you think your season's on the line. Maybe this is uh, an audition for either a new coach or, in Lunny's case, uh, an audition to be the coach. Why are you having a guy out there after the half that Jack Lindsay had? Why aren't you putting in one of your quote-unquote better passers? You know, and, and, and for Hicks to come in so late, it just... I don't know about you guys, but to me, it felt like this is just residual Chad Morris. I'm throwing guys out there and hopefully one of these things works. That 54 yard field goal was uh, sorry, Lonnie, but that was a terrible decision. There was there was no way that field goal was going in just because of the situation surrounding it. I, I, I don't get that. Yeah. It, was, oh, it was like fourth and three. Think, Go for it. Well, and it. <laughs> Maybe in a vacuum, you play for a tie there at home. But the way this season's gone, what indication have you had that anything but 
the worst possible result is going to happen uh, when you line up to kick a 54-yard field goal. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, also, like, he had gone for it on fourth down earlier in the game a few times. So I get, like, maybe wanting to get some points. And Connor Lippert has been solid, but it's 54 yards in terrible conditions. And we, we've seen you, like, go for it the past few like times early in the game. Why not here? Like, what's... And again... That comes back to something that we can maybe touch on of like the kind of officiating gaffes that kind of plagued this game that cost Arkansas a first down on this drive specifically. I think it was the offsides that wasn't called and we lined up for that field goal afterwards. So, you know, I understand wanting to capitalize where you feel like you have an opportunity for points, but three yards, I just it's the last game of the season. Roll the dice. Well, and, you know, I don't want to be the kind of person who's always blaming the referees. You know, that's a thankless job when it's done right. Uh, But a team like Arkansas right now can't afford to have these kind of breaks go against them. And there were just it it was very clear that we were the uh, CBS game on Black Friday with the like D list crew. Uh, and D may be generous. I'm sorry. That is the absolute worst announcing crew in sport. It was already terrible. It was already the worst, and then they added Rick Neuheisel to it. (laughs) Yay! You know what? We're doing pretty good. Let's get Rick Neuheisel in here. He knows what's going on. (laughs) He's got his finger on the pulse. I'll never forgive them for calling the Henry heave like it was a two yard run on second and ten. Uh, which they did, if you want to be bored to sleep by one of the greatest plays in school history, go look up the CBS version of that highlight. Thank God for Chuck Barrett, because that's made that salvageable. Um, but what I, it, I have never encountered a color commentator who was wrong about everything. Like, they're usually right about some things, even if accidentally. And Neuheisel was wrong about everything. Just no semblance of correctness. And kept double. If I'm missing Gary from the CBS A crew, then something is tremendously wrong. He kept doubling down on being bad, too. <laughs> he would say like something dumb and then be like, and you know what else uh, is that I'm right about what I just said? It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> They were they were they were pushing uh, Houston Nut during the broadcast. Oh yeah, yeah, Arkansas should hire our colleague Houston Nut. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? <laughs> That's that has to be uh, against some sort of rule. I'm not sure what it is. I don't yeah. know enough about rules and broadcast rights and things like that. But I just know enough as a human being that that can't be like if if not illegal, it can't be like it's in a gray area for sure. I think that was probably CBS's HR saying, look, Houston's contract is really big. If we could get that off the books, you guys just push him and uh, let's see if we can make something happen. It's like when they buy out someone's contract in baseball, they're like, look, we'll take out most of it. But if you guys could chip in, that would be pretty cool. (laughs) You think Houston asked them? Maybe he asked them. (laughs) Hey, could you guys say something? I know you got the cameras on you today. Maybe just drop a good word for me. Houston Nutt, of course, is in play at every coaching job. 
but we have a coaching job to fill as well. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be discussing the coaching search ahead, as well as just recapping this absolutely miserable year that had a fittingly miserable ending when we come back. And we are back here with Tucker Partridge, Saul Malone, and Adam Ford. We are now going to sort of take a retrospective look at what has been a terrible, no good, very bad year. Guys, are there any positives to take away from this year? I personally think there are a few. Um, I want to say that I really liked when they, we were able to get them the ball watching Trey Knox and Traylon Burks, the freshman wide receivers. They have a lot of potential. And they've got a lot of good stuff going for them if we can figure out how to use them correctly. And I think finally when he got to play and wasn't you know banged up, K.J. Jefferson is the future of Arkansas football at the quarterback position. The man's a freak athlete. And I think he can do a lot of good stuff if we get a coach in here that knows how to utilize him. So I get, you know, that's hinging on that, that decision we're making here. But I think watching them, I was, you know, again, not a fun season to watch by any means, but the Colorado State win and the Portland State win were wins, and I got to watch those happen. Uh, particularly, the defense played super well against Colorado State. It was nice to get revenge on them after losing to them, you know, previously. So, I mean, there were flashes of times where I enjoyed watching Arkansas football. Granted, they were few and far between, but it wasn't it wasn't a shipwreck of the worst dimensions. It was still a shipwreck, though. I've got some positives. There were some there were some good things this year. Uh, the uniforms, very sharp. Do not change them. Please do not change them. Yes, don't. Uh, the natural grass field. I, I was a fan. I'm a fan. I liked it. Um, uh, also, the, uh, the, the slim chickens in the south end zone. It was better this year than last year. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, man. So, so those are the top review. positives for me. Glowing review from you uh, on this season. Uh, likewise, I, I don't think there's just a whole lot to take away from this year that's been positive. Uh, the young wide receivers are fun to watch. Rakeem Boyd is fun to watch. Um, but they're not fun to watch when you can't give them the ball or put them in positions to succeed. And... We seemed hellbent as a coaching staff to not put them in positions to succeed. So, I don't know. I, I'm not even sure that the War Machine highlight videos of the individual players are going to be all that entertaining. Uh, the Raheem uh, Boyd one is good. I watched it today. Well, good. That's a glowing review there. The CJ O'Grady one was pretty good. Uh, the Traylon Burks one was great, but it was like three minutes long. Uh, so not a lot to take away from this year. I think I end up mostly just frustrated at the possibilities of what could have been had we had some kind of coaching staff. Uh, the non-conference games were so winnable and there were some SEC games that were incredibly winnable this year and it does not get any easier regardless of what new coach comes in. We have an absolute buzzsaw of a schedule coming up next year. And I really think that if you were going to turn it around as Chad Morris, this was definitely the year to get it done. 
Yeah. I, uh, I'm just, I think, you know, when you take the 30,000 foot perspective of Arkansas football to me and to most hog fans, and maybe we've just convinced ourselves in a sort of mass delusion, but this feels more like an aberration aberration than a normal, a new normal. Like we have talented players. We have good facilities. We have, an excitable fan base when you give them reason to be excited. Like and we aren't asking for crazy things, you know, despite what national media may tell you, they don't know what's going on in Arkansas. Like the people on the ground, like us, I, it feels more like this is just a bad stretch, but I don't feel like it's the new normal. And I think that's what I'm most encouraged about is that we can get someone in here to bring Arkansas back, not necessarily to national prominence, but to a place where I feel pride in my football team. Yeah, a national sports writer did a poll of uh, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri, which one's the better job. And to a little bit of surprise, uh, the Hogs were like way last in that poll, like only drawing like 20 percent of the vote behind Ole Miss and Missouri. I get the argument for Missouri because they're in the east. They get Vanderbilt every year. They get South Carolina or Tennessee or whoever's having a bad year over there every single year. But uh, Ole Miss, I I, that's that's not good that the perception of Arkansas has sunk so much that people are like, oh, yeah, Ole Miss is a better job. Yeah. NCAA recently coming off NCAA sanctions, Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I, I really don't get it. I think part of that's probably recency bias just because it's easy to look at where we've been the past couple of years and think, oh, they've never been better. Um, but I don't know. I, maybe this is the homer in me, but I think Historically speaking, I think financially speaking, I think just capability with what a potential ceiling would be that Arkansas is the better job of those three. Um, I've seen the argument made that Missouri's in the East and the East seems more winnable. Um, but I just, I don't know. Maybe this is me being a blind homer, but I just think that we're the better job there uh yeah i the i mean again i get the argument for missouri and like the easier schedule but the old missing was concerning to me but i think you're right the recency bias of like we've been so bad but the thing is like old miss has been bad too just less bad uh i guess is the nice way to put it like it's not like they've been setting the world on fire and you know obviously I think it's a little different. They're firing. I was reading on some reports like this firing upset a lot of the players at Ole Miss, whereas I don't think the firing of Chad Morris upset anyone in the locker room at Arkansas because uh, I, I don't think Chad had control of that locker room post-Kentucky. So, you know, it's a little different feel, and I think that kind of plays into it too of like, well, he had, you know, at least he had the locker room and the whole Ole Miss guy theory and or not theory, the Ole Miss guy like narrative. And, you know, it, it kind of does add up to It makes it look a little sexier, I guess. But I think historically speaking and from a facilities and money and like eagerness standpoint, I think the Arkansas job is the best out of all of the jobs available. And again, this is an Arkansas podcast. I may be biased, but I really tried to think a little bit objectively about this. If if I had to choose between a coach coaching job at, you know, Arkansas, Ole Miss, or South Florida? Like, where do I want to end up? And I want to end up at Arkansas, I think. That's going to be interesting to see because presumably if we don't have our coach already hired as the press conference is happening, 
right now look up in the sky at the plane. Um, I, assuming that's not the case, we may be competing uh, for some of the same guys. Certainly with Ole Miss, uh, you see a lot of like Mike Norval, Norval to them, uh, which makes sense geographically. I mean, it's, it's similar positions for sure, but I don't know. I, I guess I think that our muscles are capable of flexing a little more. We're, we're a more swole job, if you will. One thing that's interesting coming off of this season is the SB Nation Fan Pulse confidence ratings. Um, we've got now a full season of data of people's confidence levels in the football program. And it's uh, interesting, I guess. It's not where I thought it would be. I think most fans are confident with the direction of the future more so than they are thinking about where we are right now because coming off of that loss to Missouri confidence rose up over 50% (laughs) and I you know I guess it's just on the merit that literally anyone else will be our head football coach uh but it's it's like almost the minute that Chad Morris got fired confidence rose in this team and hasn't stopped rising we're naively optimistic. I like that. That's, that's everybody. Fun. Everybody's in factions right now. You know, I, there's the I want Lane Kiffin and nobody else. I want Mike Leach. I want whoever, whoever. I'd bring back Bobby or nothing. And we're getting all these camps. But I, I think everybody's going to unite pretty quickly around the next hire. I, I think I'm starting to think that even if it's someone that's going to may disappoint some people like Willie Fritz, who apparently is a candidate for the job after all. Uh, I think that there will initially be some grumbling and then everybody will pretty quickly unite. I think people are just tired of being angry and divided. And so if there's good news, that's the good news. Yeah, I think I agree. I think people are going to have to unite around him. I mean, because like you, you've said previously, we can't get this higher wrong. And I think that starts with fan fans rejecting apathy and rejecting anger, uh, regardless of who it is. Granted, we all have people we'd like and, there's not going to be a hire. I don't think that just pleases everyone. Like it's impossible. There's people I want more than others. And, you know, hopefully we get somebody and I'm sure the same can be said for you guys, but we're going to have to, to kind of put that aside whenever this hire is announced, because it's going to be on us to make them, whoever they are welcome in the hog community and know that we have their back and that we're not going to keep them on a short leash immediately because that's not fair to either the fans or the coach. Like you can't, can't have that year one and like granted Chad got a little <laughs> crazy with a year two and we should have probably given him a little shorter leash than we did. But you know, what can I say? I think you're right. We got to, whoever this is, is like going to be the guy immediately. And we're going to feel the, the ramifications of that as far as fan confidence goes right now, the guy buying a lot of goodwill is Eric Musselman because everybody trusts you're a check because of everybody thinks that the Muscleman hire was a fantastic hire. So now we're saying, all right, that was fantastic. Do that again for football. We trust you. We'll leave it in your hands. Whereas I don't know that with Jeff Long, there was just a ton. I mean, Jeff Long tried to hire Jim Grobe out of Wake Forest back in 2008. And I I think some fans kind of remembered that and said, I don't know if you can make this hire right now because of Muscleman, you're a check. Fans trust you're a check. Now, that's why it is imperative that the Hogs not lose to Austin P because I don't know <laughs> what will happen if, if a coach has not been announced and that happens. Everything will hit the, the fan. fan base may be in shambles. 
at that point. Oh, God, if Twitter was the way it was today, I can't imagine how that would be after an Austin P loss. Uh, the good news is we are favored right now by 17 points, and according to ESPN's BPI, have a 91% chance of winning that game. Uh, so hopefully uh, the Fayetteville faithful are not going to be rioting in the streets. Um, I don't think, though, that whoever the hire is, short of it being someone with just, like, absolutely terrible issues, like Hugh Freeze or Art Bryles or someone, like, absolutely worst of the worst, I don't think you're going to see a reaction like a Tennessee absolutely rejecting Greg Schiano or something. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be protesting outside Old Main uh, for whoever we hire short of one of the two terrible people. Yeah, I uh, I think people are just ready for whoever it is because this in-between is just filled with this weird tension and you know, signing day is in what, 16 days, I think, maybe a little more. So, I mean, football season never truly ends when it comes to Division One football. Like, it's, there's sure deader periods than others, but people want to get a coach so he can start putting together his plan for Arkansas. And the sooner we can start doing that, I think the sooner people are going to get excited again because once we see just any sort of activity in that arena, whether it's recruiting or, you know, putting together new coordinator hires and that sort of thing that gets people excited because it gives people something to look forward to regardless of the last season. Well, it's going to have to be something really special. Um, it would take something really special to kind of wash the taste out of our mouths from this season. Um, but with that said, I don't think it's going to take that much. I mean, Musselman is seven games into his tenure at the university of Arkansas and People are already ready to build a statue of him. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if you saw today, which but I'm one of those. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw today, but we've already had the most season ticket sales since we have, we've had since 2015, I think it was. And same with women's basketball, most season ticket sales in like program history. So both basketball programs are just bringing a lot to the table right now. And I think as long as they continue to do so, that goodwill will kind of automatically spill over into the football hire, regardless of who it is. If you're feeling good about your other coaches, having someone join the athletic department that's already kind of full of goodwill to these other coaches is always going to be a softer landing for whoever that is. Now, you know, granted, there's a bad taste with football, but if your basketball team's doing well and people are feeling good about athletics in general, it's going to cushion that blow a little bit. It is amazing to me that the state of Arkansas's mental health seems to depend upon how well the Razorbacks are playing. Um, but it does. <laughs> Who is our coach going to be? Is it going to be... Uh, are we all aboard uh, the lane train? Uh, or are you guys of the mind probably... Uh, I don't know. We saw Dan Walken uh, confirm that our staff was in Boca uh, this week, but part of me wonders if that's not just part of due diligence. Some people have interpreted that as Lane Kiffin is absolutely going to be the head coach. I have been a little more hesitant on that. Do we think that's who it is? I, I don't no, <laughs> which is like dumb to say because obviously none of us know, but 
Lane, for some reason today, Lane, it just seemed like he was building up all the momentum on Twitter. So it feels like he's easy to say yes to. They're like, yeah, Lane's the guy. We went to Boca Raton. But yeah, I mean, we went down to went down to Boca Raton and that's fine. But also allegedly we went to Memphis and everyone knows that's where Mike Norville is. Uh, apparently there has, there's been some flurry of activities in the state of Iowa, which as we know, Matt Campbell is there. Justin Fuentes will not be coaching a team in a championship. So if it's anything's announced this week, he's on the table. Uh, so, I mean, everything is up in the air. I, I hate being so general and vague, but also I hate saying things that I know not to be true. And I don't know who the coach is going to be. I think I don't lane seems to be building like the lane train seems to be leaving the station. So maybe it is lane. And I don't think I would hate that hire necessarily, but again, I feel dumb speculating because I know just as much as people posting on the forums. You know what I mean? Like it's easy to be like, Oh, I have a cousin that works at the airport and blah, blah, blah. Like that's cool, man. I've got a cousin that like coach football in the sec, but he doesn't know anything either. So it's all kind of hearsay until Hunter Yurchik steps up to the podium and is like, this is our guy. Yeah. I think it's easy to say it's Kiffin because once, once you get one thing tying a coach to the job, then there's absolutely no risk of just throwing out there. Well, my people are telling me, yeah. You know, and I think that's kind of where we are right now. I do think that Kiffin is a candidate. I don't know that he's number one. Um, I would have a hard time believing he would be number one uh, after whatever happened with uh, uh, at Houston. Apparently, you know, Eurocheck was attempting or interviewing him for that job when it was open. And then they didn't end up hiring him. Supposedly the board of uh, trustees or whoever got involved and, I, I, it's, it's Maybe weird. Hogville is right. I don't know. I, I well, I, at, <laughs> at Houston, it could, it could have happened twice. Could could two different universities <laughs> could lightning strike twice? <laughs> but uh, I think he's a candidate. I don't think he's number one. I still think there's probably someone we're swinging for that's a bigger name. Uh, Campbell makes a lot of sense. Fuente makes a lot of sense. Fickle makes a lot of sense. Uh, I've I've heard Willie Fritz uh, just from some national media types. Um, that he is a legitimate candidate for the job that wouldn't draw a lot of excitement, but the guy wins. Uh, he won at Georgia Southern. He's winning at Tulane, which is one of the hardest places to win. Um, very good coach. I do not think it's going to be Mike Leach uh, for everyone out there. I mean, they just went six and six and got blown out in their rivalry game again. And every single year in that Apple cup game, Washington, even their coaches taunt Washington state. We know what your offense is. It's the same thing you've been running for 20 years. It's not difficult to stop. <laughs> and I, that's not going to work in the SEC. That absolutely would not work. I think that would actually be a disaster. I've 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 gone from saying I don't think that that would be a great hire to saying I think that would actually be a disaster. Um, but I I don't think it's it's Leach at all. Yeah, I think, Mike Irwin is in shambles. I, yeah, that is his preferred candidate, man. <laughs> I think yeah, I was I was a little higher on the Leach, like potential hiring there, and then I kind of reevaluated and was like, oh no, after like three games, people know the jig is up. You know, like. <laughs> We people know what's going on. It, I just, I don't know. I don't think that that fits with the pattern that Eurocheck has followed thus far. Um, and obviously it hasn't been much of a pattern because he's only made two hires. Um, but I don't know. It Obviously you want to be like this, but Eurocheck seems to be looking for kind of guys on the <sighs> rise. And 
maybe that means that they've had, you know, pasts like Musselman had been in the NBA. So he had a resume to speak of. Um, but I just, I don't think Leach fits that necessarily. I don't think he fits that archetype. And I just, I, I, I don't even really think that makes sense as a move. With that said, if he got hired at Ole Miss, I would be the first biggest Ole Miss fan uh, simply to watch what train wreck occurred. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm sure our fellows at Red Cup will appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's fun to watch, but I don't think I want to watch him coach our team. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I guess if you, out of everyone that's on the list, let's let's pick our favorite. Let's pick our favorite of uh, the potential hires, and that's how we can close out this podcast. We can do a little Christmas wish list. Who do you want Arkansas realistically now? Because I don't think PJ Flex off the table. I don't think Matt Rule's coming here. Realistically, who you want for the coach? Who's our next head HC? Over Thanksgiving, I sat down with some family and one of my uh, relatives is one of the coaches at Warren. And he mentioned that he's kept pretty close in touch with some of the Warren kids up there. And he said that Morris is Morris just stopped talking to guys the moment that they got on campus. Hmm. And that really, really bothered me. But it also you know, did not seem out of the realm of possibility given the performances on game day. I really just want someone who's going to be able to come in and make these players feel wanted and like they're a part of something bigger. Um, and I think that's what it takes to win at Arkansas. Guys that I've seen do that, I think, and this is probably going to be the popular answer on this question, I, I Matt Campbell's my guy. I'm all aboard that train. I, I He's won at Toledo. He's won at Iowa State. Both very difficult places to win. And he just seems to be a guy that gets his players. I mean, we saw LaMichael Petway transfer from here and then have a really good year and then an amazing senior day for them. Uh, that's a guy who gets a player who Chad just couldn't. Uh, and if Chad just couldn't get the players that we have on roster, I'll take a guy with a history of getting it with those guys. So, you know, not a shocker or a hot take, but I would love Matt Campbell at Arkansas. You took mine. I was going to say Campbell as well. Um, Biggest concern with him is he's not really known as being a great recruiter or a very aggressive recruiter. Um, I, I, I'm not, I think sometimes it's too easy to say, oh, well, we just need to go hire a great recruiter and we'll get great players. It, it's, it's not even close to that simple. So maybe he's, maybe you can do without that. Maybe not. Uh, I think as far as developing players and coming up with a plan to win, I think he's, he's probably your best option. Uh, he's my favorite. Um, I, I would not mind Kiffin at all. I think that Arkansas can kind of embrace kind of a renegade identity uh, that has worked at Arkansas in the past. That's Nolan built his entire persona on his kind of renegade personality. Uh, 
Petrino did too. I I think that kind of attitude would would be embraced by Arkansas. We kind of we're we're the disrespected state, and that's just kind of the, <laughs> that's the that's that's our entire approach. Um, and so I I think that that would work. Um, with Kiffin, I, I, there's always the concern of an absolutely just disastrous blow up, but there's also the potential that he gets you. He gets recruits. He becomes the popular, trendy program, and he actually develops an offense that 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 works. Um, so I would say Kiffin would probably be my other one. I, I would not mind that hard at all. Probably not my favorite, but I would not mind that hard at all. Yeah, I've recently warmed to a little bit to Luke Fickle. I think he could do a lot of good things here with the kind of offense he runs and the fact that he turns Cincinnati into a legit football team fairly quickly. Obviously the concern, like I, that guy wants to be the Ohio state head coach. That said, I don't think Ryan day is going anywhere anytime soon with the success he's having. And the fact that Justin Fields is coming back and he's going to have the opportunity to coach there for a long time if he wants to. And I think he does want to. So I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that that opportunity to, for Luke fickle to bolt is there. So I think he could come in and establish himself at Arkansas quite well. Uh, I've kind of room to him. I think Matt Campbell is my number one big fan of that broken stack defense. But as much as I've made fun of it today, I agree with you, Adam, I would not hate and playing Kiffin higher, uh, which I did not think I would say when this coaching search kind of began, but it's fun to think of us as a school with nothing to lose because we really don't. We're the basement of the sec. We're one of the, Worst teams in college football, and just to come in and have an identity of something besides that, I think is something that Lane Kiffin could do fairly quickly and then get us into actually being a good team fairly quickly after that. So if I'm looking at my top three realistic candidates right now, that's that's where I'm at. Interesting that none of us mentioned uh, Mike Norville. I don't know. That was, really, that was kind of the name, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think, personally speaking, if you were to pull me from two years ago and me now, uh, I was way more aboard the Mike Norville train then. And I don't know, I don't know what that is because he's only had more success since then. Um, but maybe it's the reports coming out from some national types that he would prefer the Florida State job that give me pause. Maybe it's the fact that we just hired an American. Uh, conference coach that obviously was the greatest coaching hire in Arkansas history. Uh, I just, I guess I'm a little nervous there and I want to go get a guy who has had legit power five experience. And so for me, that's Campbell, but I also am not as scared of Lane Kiffin as I might be with a Norval hire. Yeah. And I think too, one of the first things when we talked about Norville getting hired was it seemed like people were going to have to convince him that Arkansas was a good job or like better than Memphis. And, you know, if you have to be convinced that coming to the sec is better than coaching the American conference, if you're that cool on the job, I don't know if I want you to be our coach. You know what I mean? I feel like if you're coming in with that sort of, again, I, I'm not inside Norville's office. I'm not inside his head. I don't know what he's thinking. That report could be. You're not at the gambling table not, with him. I'm not sitting next to him at the tables. And like that report could just be all hearsay and bullcrap. But I mean, if that's what's coming out that you have to be convinced or that you're like very cool on this job, I don't know. I want someone that's excited about granted. This is a challenging situation to come into for sure. But I want someone that feels good about that and is like, you know what, this is a challenge. Yes, but I am equipped for it and I know what I'm doing and I'm ready to do so and to make all of our guys 
who I'm going to bring in, and all of our guys who are staying and sticking with the program. I want them to feel welcome uh, with me day one. And I think so, Matt Campbell's the guy for that. Yeah. So I did some research on a uh, because I, I heard an interesting claim, and this is this is our this is the fact checking portion of our segment here. Um, so <laughs> a claim was repeated on. Uh, I believe it was Channel 11 in Little Rock, their Razorback game day. They had one of the people that they have on to do so. And it was overall a fine segment. But the claim was made that Justin Fuente at Memphis was struggling through two losing seasons. So he went out to Arizona State and met with Mike Norville, who was then the offensive coordinator out there, learned his offense, copied it, brought it back to Memphis, and that was responsible for his success. That is apparently, I mean, it made it all the way onto statewide television, but that is apparently a widespread belief among Arkansas fans. So I underwent a significant amount of research to see if that was true. <laughs> it turns out that uh, Norval and Fuente did meet, although it doesn't appear to have been anything unusual beyond just like normal, like coaches meet each other in the offseason. It happens all the time. Uh, the origin of the claim that Fuente chucked his offense and just decided to run Norval's instead. First, doesn't hold up in film study. Fuente and Norval do different things. But um, I, I, the claim appears to have originated in a November 2017 thread on Hogville. It appears to be an, <laughs> entire, <laughs> an entirely Arkansas-created myth. Um, that, that is just simply untrue. So if anyone thinks that Justin Fuente copied Mike Norville's offense, and that's the only reason he's had any success, uh, that is an entirely Arkansas-created myth. No. So there you go. That kicks ass. Which means it is nothing but true. Um, <laughs> that No, just the idea of him going, you know, I've built my entire coaching career and I've gotten hired at one of the highest levels possible. And, you know, I'm just going to chuck my offense and uh, do something completely different. Uh, just doesn't really hold water to me. Uh, selfishly, uh Norval and Fuente both have a connection uh, as having coached with Chris Ball, who is now the head coach at Northern Arizona University. Uh, a cousin of mine is the defensive coordinator under Chris Ball. So selfishly, I would like for either Fuente or Norval to get the Arkansas job, hire Chris Ball as DC, and then Chris Ball hire that cousin of mine uh, as like a linebacker coach or something. Uh, just so I can have another partridge on staff. I think that would be neat. You heard it here first, folk. Chris Ball to Arkansas confirmed. Yep. Uh, hey, if Hogville gets to do it, I do too. <laughs> That's fair. I can't have all the fun. <laughs> Hogville, uh, I look forward to your next uh, transmission. Um, I think that brings us to a close today. Very football heavy episode, uh, but it's a very football heavy time. Obviously, we will have our uh, ears to the ground listening for any rumbles uh, coming up this week. Maybe we'll even have a coach by the time this podcast gets published. In that case, we'll be doing an emergency pod, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, other than that, keep following us on Twitter and engaging in this crazy time and this crazy conversation that started to take place statewide. Uh, please don't harass people at like Springdale municipal airport. Those people I'm sure uh, have jobs that they look forward to doing undisturbed. And last night, like, 
20 people were camped out in their hangar, so that's exciting. <laughs> Follow us on Arkansas Fight, subscribe to our Fan Pulse poll, and be a part of that conversation for basketball. Thanks again to Saul Malone and Adam Ford for jumping on this week. Hopefully we'll have a new coach by the time we record the next episode. Uh, we will see you then, though. Until then, this has been Woopod 2. Woopod. Number five, you better look at him a little closer. He's a football player. It's Arkansas, baby.